This is the To The Point Podcast. Together with our ERISA attorney, we'll explore key Affordable Care Act and trending compliance topics all in 15 minutes or less. Now here's our host, Sarah Gillespie. Welcome to our To The Point Podcast. This is Sarah Gillespie. I'm the Compliance Director at Lipscomb Pitts Insurance in Memphis, Tennessee. I have with me our ERISA attorney as usual. Hey, Stacy, how are you? I'm good. Good morning, Sarah. And so today, Stacy, we are having um, a guest join us. We have Betsy Kamler. She is our Director of Client Engagement here at Lipscomb Pitts. And so she really runs all things non-insurance that are related to the benefits our clients want to offer their employees. So, hey, Betsy, we're glad to have you. Good morning. Okay, Stacy. So in this conversation, we thought we would give our audience a wellness update. Um, on December 20th, 2018, the Federal Register published the final rule from the EEOC removing the part of the regulations related to incentive limits for medical questions and exams under a wellness program. And if this sounds familiar to what we heard from the court in December 2017, that is because it is. Okay, so Betsy, what kinds of things are we looking to clarify in today's conversation? Yes, Stacy, can you walk us back to 2016 when the EOC's wellness incentive limits were first published and remind us where we started and what actually happened in December of 2017? Sure. So um, back at the uh, early 2016, um, the EEOC had published some regulations um, establishing the maximum rewards available under wellness programs. Uh, and those limits were 30% of the total cost of coverage. And they were, the rules were very similar to rules that were published by the Department of Labor um, that apply to wellness programs. And so it was nice for employers to uh, have kind of two sets of rules that were, were very similar and allowed them to incentivize employees to participate in wellness programs. And the, the reason that this was, you know, really kind of uh, important in 2016 is that prior to 2016, these, these rules coming out, the EEOC's general position with regard to wellness programs was that a wellness program is voluntary for purposes of the EEOC rules. And I'll explain why that's important in a second. Um, but the program is voluntary if there's neither a reward for participation or a penalty for non-participation. And the reason it's important that the wellness program be voluntary under EEOC rules is that, you know, the, the EEOC um, having enforcement authority over the Americans with Disabilities Act um, has to ensure that any medical exams or disability-related inquiries are voluntary. That's one of the main tenets of the ADA. The EEOC enforces that, and so their you know their mandate is that they want to make sure that that wellness programs are voluntary. And so prior to 2016, you were you know um, t- taking a bit of a leap of faith if you really had any kind of a reward under your wellness program. Um, and of course, employers prior to 2016 had wellness programs. We you know, all have rewards. Um, and we were generally complying with the 30% rules established by the Department of Labor. Um, and the EEOC traditionally didn't really um, you know, go after employers unless they had you know, really um, you know, significant rewards. Like if you look at some of the past cases, there were instances where, you know, the 
the penalty for non-participation was something like 100% of the cost of coverage. Thanks, Stacey. So back to our original comment of the recent publications of the EOC's final rule in December of 2018, what happened there? So that was just simply the EEOC formalizing the fact that, you know, look, the, the court did vacate the 30% limits. And I, I guess I um, maybe stopped a little, a little early with my, my, <clears throat> my last response. Um, but it was really just, it was just the EEOC formalizing something that, you know, all of us in the, in the benefits uh, field already knew from earlier in the year. And that is that 30% limit no longer um, is reliable or can be relied upon um, by employers. And so that's a result of uh, this court case, which was the AARP versus the EEOC. And um, the AARP had sued um, the, the government over this, this 30% limit rule basically challenging them that, you know, well, if, if the requirement under the ADA is that the wellness program is voluntary, then how does a 30% penalty based on the cost of coverage ensure that the wellness program is voluntary? And they said, you know, look, your, your prior guidance was that zero, uh, you know, that, that any reward basically could make a program involuntary. How do you get from zero to 30%? so quickly. Um, and the EEOC really failed to substantiate how they arrived at that 30% other than to say, well, we, we wanted to harmonize our rule with the Department of Labor's rule and give employers, you know, some, you know, certainty um, with respect to their wellness programs. And the court um, was, was very conservative and they said, well, that doesn't do it under the ADA. It doesn't meet the standard. Um, you haven't substantiated um, you know, how a 30% penalty allows the program to remain voluntary. And so the court vacated that rule. Um, and so that happened um, really at the end of 2017, right? And so um, at the end of, of 2018, the EEOC finally got around to, you know, formally, um, you know, suspending that 30% limit. So that's that's all it was. And, you know, it took a year basically for that to go through the the, the governmental process. Okay, so when we discussed this last year in a podcast following the court's decision to vacate the rules, the message to most employers was that they could likely continue their medical questions and exams under their wellness program if the incentive limits were still within 30%, because even though the court disagreed, that was still the EEOC's written limit, and really it was the EEOC who initiated any kind of suit, so they weren't likely to be the ones to go back on their own limit at that time. But so now that they have formally removed it altogether, is there more concern for employers incentivizing at any limit? Good question. Um, no, I mean, the simply due to you know the, the fact that they removed formally removed the limit, um, it does not change the risk. Um, in in my opinion, I still am generally of the mind that if you're staying within the 30% limits, that you are pretty unlikely to see challenge uh, from the EEOC because they think that those limits worked um, at least prior to um, the, you know, that, that lawsuit. Um, 
So I don't really see that there's, you know, there's much more risk now. Um, I think making sure that your plan um, has been reviewed by council, that it complies with Department of Labor rules, it otherwise complies with the EEOC rules, um, it applies with any other laws that may apply, like GINA, the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act, um, then that goes a long way to compliance. I think you're probably more likely to deal with a potential issue regarding your wellness program um, in connection with the Department of Labor audit than action from the EEOC. Um, wellness programs, they are a part of every Department of Labor audit. And I know we've, we've talked about that on, on different podcasts, but um, the, the wellness rules provide an exception from the uh, HIPAA and ERISA non-discrimination rules um, that prohibit discrimination based on a health factor. And so what that means is that if you have a wellness program that doesn't comply with all those Department of Labor rules, it's an ERISA violation. And it is something that the DOL will explore um, on every audit and it's you can actually Google and find cases where um, the, the DOL has forced employers to settle with them uh, basically over um, broken wellness programs. So that being the case, do you have any new suggestions that employers should be aware of? I know we can we can refer people to prior podcasts that we've recorded, um, one in particular on the pitfalls of wellness programs and things like that. But related to the EEOC or the Department of Labor, for employers who have wellness programs today, any new news, any different things that they need to pay attention to or do differently? Um. You know, nothing that I, I haven't mentioned in, in large part. I mean, I do think, you know, having them reviewed every so often um, it is a good idea. Uh, make sure you're you know, communicating with employees. Listen to employee feedback. I mean, that's, you know, less of a, a legal issue and more of an employee relations issue. I think they're they're better received when they're in the form of rewards rather than penalties, just in, in my experience. Um, but uh, other than that, I mean, I, I wouldn't be afraid to offer a wellness program just because of what you're hearing with this easy EOC rules. Uh, you don't need to water down the program to the point where you're letting people earn rewards for doing basically nothing. Um, you know, you're, you're free to have a, you know, a bona fide uh, wellness program as, as part of your group health plan. Okay, so that's pretty much the same message that we had before, and I just wanted to make sure we were still in that place. So when it comes to employers who have programs that are biometric screenings only, your message to those employers is that it's still okay to proceed. Any word, any other word of caution there? Um, well, no, I mean, you're still, they're still viable and, and uh, permissible under Department of Labor rules. They still work under EEOC rules. Um, you know, the, the only question is, is, you know, somehow is the level of incentive you're applying to that biometric screening, um, is it enough to make the program involuntary? You know, is it is so much that the employee feels they, they can't pass it up? Um, and are they going to be perturbed enough to uh, try to, you know, find a, a cause of action, a lawyer that'll, that'll take a case. Um, I, I, again, I mean, in employees that have um, tried this on an individual basis, as well as through the EEOC, they have not fared very well at all. Um, the cases have been, um, in, you know, 
some of the cases have had bad facts, but you know the outcomes are um, almost universally for the employer. Um, so I would keep that in mind. Okay, so that's good news for employers who want to offer wellness programs. And like you said, employers shouldn't be afraid of them. So if you are an employer who has questions about your wellness program, you want to explore one brand new, you've never started one, we at Lipscomb and Pitts would love to work with you. Betsy is um, involved with that process from start to finish. So please reach out to us. If you have questions for Stacy, compliance related, or myself, you can reach out to me, Sarah G, S-A-R-A-H-G at lpinsurance.com. And please do listen to some of our other podcasts that we've recorded on wellness topics, because I think Stacy makes some really great points about, um, you know, these coming up in Department of Labor audits, and there are other compliance concerns to consider. Thanks so much for joining us, Betsy. Thanks so much for being our guest on today's program. Thank you. And we hope you will listen to another one of our podcasts. Have a great day.